Blog Talk Radio. Okay, praise God. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. We're going to give the mic to Evangelist Janice Taylor. She's going to tell you how to contact her. This has uh, support ministry for Evangelist Janice Taylor. This is not for live deliverance in that radio. She now has the mic. She'll give you information on how to contact her, get a hold of her. And she now has the mic for one hour and 59 minutes. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, good night. Good night. It's so good to be back with you. We took a break last week, and it's good to be back with you on tonight. So I'm going to blow the shofar, sounding the alarm, blowing the trumpet in Zion, sounding the alarm. We're living in that day. We're living in that hour. And then I'm going to share the message God has given me for this audience tonight. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Blow me the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm. Wake up the mighty men. Wake up the sleeping church. Come and let us hear what thus saith the Lord on tonight. Amen. Want to draw your attention to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And our subject for tonight is sin and sickness and sickness and sin. Want to talk about sin and sickness and sickness and sin. Those of you that have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 2, and we're going to start at the first verse. And it says, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto them, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain other scribes sitting there and reasoning in their heart. Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he saith, I say unto thee, take up, arise, and take up thy bed, 
and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Father, this is your word. You have given me this message, O oh God, to share with your people on tonight. I declare that this word came from you by revelation of the Holy Spirit. And I declare what you have said to me unto your people. So, God, I am asking you to be with me on tonight that I may speak with clarity and boldness to say exactly what you have told me to say, that your people might hear it and be delivered and set free. God, let he who have ears hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church tonight. And may you be glorified in all that is said and done in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So our message tonight is sin and sickness and sickness and sin. We know that there's a problem in the earth right now, but I don't really want to deal with what's going on in the earth. I want to talk about what's going on in the church. Because Jesus said in his word, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my, this is the word of God. He said, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. He said, in just that order, he said, if they will humble themselves, he said, my people, not sinners. He said, my people. He's talking to the church. He said, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith, he said, and uh, if they seek my faith, he said, then he said, turn from their wicked ways. He said, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins, and then I will heal their land. So what that shows me is that there are two parts here. God says this first part is our part, is that we would humble ourselves and pray and seek his faith and turn from our wicked ways. Then he said, then, if you do this, then I'm going to do, if you do that, then I'm going to do this. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. And so that's why I want to talk tonight about sin and sickness and sickness and sin. Because a lot of people don't understand that they are connected. Sin, 
when sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience, curse came. Proverbs 26 and 2 says the curse causeless will not come. The curse came. Sin is a curse. And when sin, when man sins, sickness enters into the picture. Before, before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no sickness. Everything was perfect. It was paradise. Everything was perfect. But when sin entered, then sickness. So I want to talk to the church tonight concerning that because we don't seem to understand or perhaps haven't even taken notice of the sickness that's in our land. I'm on a prayer line, have a prayer line every day from 12 noon to 1 o'clock. And then on Sunday nights, that's Monday through Saturday, 12 noon. If anybody wants the number, I'll be happy to give that number out. But then on Saturday, on Sunday, we pray at 8 p.m. And week after week after week, we've been doing this. I, I don't even know how long we've been doing this. But the Lord called us to it. Week after week after week, somebody's praying or asking us to pray for healing for this one or that one. So we see that sickness is on the rise. There's so much cancer, so much cancer. I won't even say in the land. It's in the church. There's so much cancer. There's so many cases of cancer. Now, what I looked at was I see the dramatic rise in the cancer cases and the sickness amongst believers. But I also see the parallel of sin amongst believers. You see, sin ought not be named amongst believers, but it is. So what I want to do is I want to go through this passage of Scripture tonight and show you what the Lord showed me, and then I pray that you get this revelation tonight so that even when you pray for somebody for healing, you'll know how to pray. Now, the Bible says that Jesus was in Capernaum, and it was noise, and that means it, it spread that he was in town, and he was in the house. He was not in the temple. He was in a house church. And the Bible said that many were gathered in this house church. There were so many people that there was actually no room to get anybody else in. The house was packed, and they were packed all the way to the door. They were packed in there like sardines because they wanted to hear Jesus. Glory be to God. Wonder what that would be like today if people would pack the house out 
not to hear their favorite preacher, not to hear their favorite singer, not even to be seen of men, but to hear what Jesus has to say to the church. And so they were packed, they were in a packed house. Four men came with someone who was on a bed, sick, like a little cot, a little stretcher. And he was sick. He had palsy. He was a paralytic. And they brought him to this meeting, that this church meeting that was in somebody's house. Glory be to God, I already feel the Holy Ghost. And so they brought this man, but then they saw that there was no room. They couldn't get him in there. But these men, these obviously were four friends, and they would not be denied. Boy, if we had friends like that today, friends that would see your condition. And they will pray with you, and they will stay with you, and they will carry with you until you get your deliverance. My God. What would we do if we had four friends like these four men? These men saw that they couldn't get in the house, so they took him up on the roof because they would not be denied. They knew who Jesus was. They knew he had the power to help this man. And they were determined to see Jesus and to get this man to Jesus. So they went up on the roof and they tore the roof off the house. And they let the man down by the roof. Now, this ain't even their house, but yet they did this. I'm telling you, if, we just, if, if I just had four friends, four friends who love me like these four men love this paralytic. They got him down through the roof, and when Jesus saw it, he said, son, Thy sins are forgiven. Now, these men took this man to Jesus because he was sick. But Jesus did not deal with the man's sickness. He didn't even speak of it. He dealt with the man's sins. He said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And then he said, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. Turn with me to James, James chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 15. And this is what James said to the church. He said, we're going to look at the 14th verse, 14 through the 16th. 14 through the 15. He said, is any sick among you? Is any married? Let him sing songs. He said, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. 
and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And pray the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sin, they shall be forgiven. Again, we see sickness is connected to sin, and sin is connected to sickness. Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, what about the man What about the man uh, in the Bible? And they said to Jesus, Lord, who has sinned? Him or his parents? And Jesus said, none. No one sinned. He said, this was done that the son of man might be glorified. So before you leave with just that, notice that the disciples asked the question, who sinned? Because they also understood that sickness connected to sin and sin is connected to sickness. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So this man was healed because Jesus forgave his sin. Glory be to God. Now think of all the times that you and I have prayed for people to be healed. We prayed for their bodies but we never prayed for their souls. We never prayed for forgiveness of their sins. This changed the game for me. This was a game-changing revelation for me. So now when I pray for somebody to be healed, the first thing I do is ask the Lord to forgive them of their sins, and I lead them in a prayer of repentance. Because I don't know what sins they may have committed. Only the Lord knows that. But I saw in this scripture where Jesus did not deal with the man's sickness. He dealt with his sins. Glory be to God in the highest. He dealt with the man's sins. And it's the same uh, and, and the lepers, he, he healed the lepers. He said, go forth and sin no more. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So our healing is connected to the forgiveness of sin. Now, you say, well, maybe you haven't done X, Y, and Z. What about your parents? What about your brothers and sisters? What about your children? What about your ancestors? I learned one time, I was down in Atlanta. I was at Apostle Overton's house, and I heard him teaching and preaching on the curse of the bastard. And I realized that it was a generational curse. I had never heard him teaching before in my life. I realized it was a generational curse. Glory be to God. The Bible says in Deuteronomy that the bastard shall not enter into the congregation until the 10th generation. That's a curse. That's a curse. 
And so I looked at my own life. I looked at my mother's life, and I could see that curse in operation, even though I'm a, I'm a New Testament Christian. My mother had four children out of wedlock. She was not married to any of our fathers. She drank herself to death. She died at the young age of 30. I'm one of her children, had three children out of wedlock, was never married to their fathers. I became a drug addict and a prostitute, a generational curse, plain as day. I have met a family. All of the families were drug dealers. That's a generational curse. I met another family. All of the family members, with the exception of two, were homosexuals. I met another family, and all of them, alcoholics. All of them were alcoholics. That's a generational curse. It came down through the bloodline. This is why when you go to doctors, Doctors have caught on to generational curses, although they don't call it generational curses. They begin to ask you your family history. They begin to ask you about your mama and your grandmama on your mama's side and then on your daddy's side. They begin to ask you about your relatives on both sides of the family. They're looking for what's coming down through the bloodline. And they start asking you, do this run in your family? Do this run in your family? What about this? What about that? What about that? Because doctors, they're not going to call it a generational curse. But they realize certain sicknesses are passed down through the generations. They can be. They can be. They can be passed down through the generations. Cancer heart disease, diabetes. These things can be passed down through the generations. But when we repent, see, you can repent of not only your sins, but we haven't been taught to repent for our family sins. We haven't been taught to repent for the generational curses in our family. We haven't been taught to repent for the people who are dead and gone that we never even met, we haven't been taught to repent for their sins. Stuff we just don't want to know. I'm finding out the older I get, the more I want to know. I want to know what my grandmother did. I want to know what my grandfather did. I want to know so that I can go to God in repentance for it. The Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach. There are national sins that we need to repent of. So it's not just about me, my, and mine. We need to repent of our individual sins, family sins, our corporate sins as a body, and then I 
our natural sin. We need to repent on behalf of this nation. There's some stuff going on in this nation that I know God is not pleased with. And if he were to judge it now, a lot of people would perish. Turn with me. Turn with me. I'm going to show you about national sins. Turn with me to Numbers. Numbers chapter 25. Starting at the first verse. Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. Now, we know that Israel is the children of Israel. It's a nation, a nation that God chose to be his own. And they called the people unto the sacrifice of their gods, and the people did eat and bow down to their gods. There it is, the sin of idolatry. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sons, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. Now, let me tell you, let me stop for a minute so I can break this down. Israel began to literally fornicate with the people of Moab. They began to be involved in sexual sins. They ate the sacrifices that were offered to their idols, and the Bible said, then they bowed down to their idols. And God said, thou shalt have no other God beside me, for I am the Lord thy God that brought thee out of Egypt. So they committed a grave, serious sin against the Lord. So God dealt with them as a nation. And the Lord said, take up all the heads, all the leaders, and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. So Moses told them, slay every one of the men that joined themselves to Baal Peor. Now, Baal Peor was an idol, and it was shaped like a penis, like a great big penis, and the people danced around it naked. They thought this was some fertility god. They thought if they if they uh, bowed before it, that it would cause them to, to be fruitful and, and, and bring them uh, wealth and cause them to multiply. And these women came and got the, the Israelite men and got them to join them. In other words, they went to a big orgy, a big town orgy. And the men of Israel, they just lost their minds. They, they knew what God had said, but they just lost their minds in, in getting involved with these Moabite women. And, 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 and so what happened was God judged them for what they had done. They ate food that was offered 
uh, uh, sacrificed unto idols. Then they, they uh, got involved in sexual immorality with these women. They danced around this pole, this large penis. That's where pole dancing comes from. When you see women today dancing around these poles, that's where it comes from. This was idol worshiping. And God was angry because Israel got involved in this when they had been warned not to take up the heathen practices of the nations that they were to go in and dispossess because God was uprooting the wicked people, giving Israel their land. And the Bible says in verse 6, Behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brother a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and all the congregation. So here Moses is. He's called a solemn assembly. He brought forth all the heads, all the leaders of Israel, and that he's judging them. He's telling them what thus saith the Lord. And here in the middle of the camp, here comes one of the Israelites with one of these Midianite women, and they went into their tent to have sex in front of everybody. Listen what happened. They came in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping. They were repenting. They were weeping because guess what? Some of their husbands, some of their brothers, some of their loved ones were being judged. They, they, they had to slay them. They had to do what God said. And when Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, so here come an Israelite right in the middle of the meeting where Moses was rebuking them. Here come one of the Israelite men with a Midianite woman, and they getting ready to get it on in the camp. He brought this woman into the camp of Israel. Now, remember the word of the Lord. It says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And here comes an Israelite with one of these women, and they're getting ready to get it on. So Phineas saw it, and he walked from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through. The man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So you know they were already joined together because he got both of them at the same time. He thrust both of them through at the same time. And the Bible says, so the plague, what is a plague? A disease, sickness. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were 24,000. 24,000 people died because of the sin of idolatry and fornication. 24,000 people. 
my God. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, have turned away my wrath from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. God said if it hadn't been for Phineas, one man had not gotten a righteous indignation against this Israelite man and this Midianite woman coming into the camp of Israel to have sex in broad daylight. He said if it had not been for what Phineas did, God said he would have destroyed the whole nation of Israel. Sin and sickness, sickness and sin. Sin is connected and sickness is connected to sin. You see, because the children of Israel had gotten themselves involved in sexual sin with these Midianite women and had began to worship their idols and bow down to them and eat sacrifices that were made to them. Because they did this, a plague came on them. What is a plague? It's sickness. It's a disease. It's like COVID-19. It's like HIV. It's like AIDS. It's like diabetes. It's like lupus. It's like leukemia. It's a disease. It's a pandemic. It's a pandemic or an epidemic. And one man, he stopped the plague. 24,000 people died. 24,000 people died. But one man stopped it. Sin is connected to sickness, and sickness is connected to sin. So when you are asked to pray for somebody's healing, first deal with their sin. Have them to confess any sin that they have. This is what James said. Let's go to First John. Let's go to First John. First John, glory be to God. Hallelujah. He says, In 1 John, verse 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then it goes on to say in verse number 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We have to confess our sins if we want to be healed of sickness. We have to repent of our sins if we want to be healed of sickness. We have to renounce sin. The sin in our life, the sin in our heart, you know, there's, there's iniquity, there's sin, and then there's iniquity. 
iniquity are those hidden sins. It's racism and prejudice and jealousy and unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. Those are the sins you can't see, but they are there. They are there. And I've heard countless testimonies of people who were sick and dying but would not forgive someone who had offended them. They said, I'll never forgive them. They said, I can't. Unforgiveness is a sin. And even doctors have come to realize that many of the sicknesses that they are seeing today, they it, it, it's like they're saying, "Well, we see the symptoms, but we don't see we don't see the disease. There's there's not a presence of a disease because what they're seeing, they said, is connected to unforgiveness. And when they begin to question their patients about someone that have hurt them or harmed them or did them some wrong, they find out the root of the thing is unforgiveness. They ran every test known to man on the person. Can't find nothing in the blood test. Can't find nothing on the x-ray. Can't find nothing on the cat skin, on the pet skin. Can't find nothing. But yet the doctor's seeing these symptoms. And he knows they're real. And that's when they begin to ask them about their spiritual life. Is there anybody who's ever hurt you? Is there anybody who, who, who you need to forgive? And then they find that's the root of it. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a major sin. Because, it, 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 first of all, it's a sin that you can't see. You can't see what's inside somebody's heart. But the Lord knows it's there. And a lot of people could be healed if they would just forgive. Just forgive. Just forgive somebody. Some of the people that they're holding grudges against are dead and gone. Just forgive. I had unforgiveness in my heart. I had to forgive. I forgave. You know why? Because it wasn't for them. It was for me. I wanted to be free. These things are real. These are spiritual sins, and they are real. And this is why we see so much sickness in the body. Now, I want to share some scriptures with you. I want to share uh, some scriptures with you the Lord gave me. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Glory be to God. First Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that have done this deed might be taken away from you. 
For verily, for I verily as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have judged already, as though I were present concerning him that have done so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Don't you know that a little bit of sin in the body of Christ, or just a little bit, will contaminate the entire body of Christ? One man, one man, glory be to God, one man turned away the wrath of God because he got a righteous indignation against sin and put it to death. Glory be to God. One man brought sin into the world. Adam, one man, one man. And the whole of humanity was born under the curse. So what you do, no man sins unto himself. If you are in the body of Christ, your sins impact the entire body of Christ. Paul said, put such a one out to church. Verse 7, purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump. For ye are unleavened, for even as Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. In other words, we got to cut this cancer, good God Almighty, out. A little leaven. Leavens the whole lump. We got to cut this out. Well, now there's a lot of sexual sin in the body of Christ today. It's in the pulpit. It's in the choir. It's in the usher board. It's in the deacon board. It's amongst the ministers. Sin. Sexual sin. And we wonder why there's so much sickness. There's so much sickness in our nation. It's in the White House. It's in the outhouse. It's in the Black House. It's in the Brown House. Why there's so much sickness when God judged Israel for the sin at Bel Peor? He did not judge just that one man. He judged Israel as a nation. We wonder why there's so much sickness in our nation. Because the nation is in sin. The church is in sin. It's like a scale. He said, Beloved, I would that thou would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. It's parallel. It's parallel. 
directly connected to the sins, hallelujah, of this nation. The nation, America, is sin sick. They're sinning the church. And, 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 you know, this ought not even be. This ought not even be amongst believers. Those who profess to be the redeemed of the Lord. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 2. Paul again is teaching. He said, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. You see, sex was not made was not God did not design sex for the unmarried. It's so that a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two flesh shall become one. First Thessalonians, let's go there. Thessalonians chapter four, verses three through five. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should have from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. This is the will of God, that we should abstain from fornication. Why aren't the preachers preaching this? Why aren't the pastors teaching this? Why are they teaching, uh, get your breakthrough and how to become a millionaire? No, we need to be teaching, be ye holy, for I am holy, and teaching the people how to present their bodies to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. If you've been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb, it is your reasonable service. You can't offer God. A song and you living in sin. You can't give God a praise and you living in sin. People in the church shacking up with their boyfriends and their girlfriends. How you gonna serve the Lord and serve the devil too? Let's go back. Let's go back. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Chapter 6. It says, verse 14. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion have light with darkness? What concord have Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement have the temple of God with idols? Or you say, oh, we don't have idols today. Oh, yes, we do. We have the idol of football. Sports is an idol in this country. Sports is an idol. You know, uh, I'm telling you, I know of a pastor right here in my hometown that had a Super Bowl 
party at his church. And uh, they claim that people got saved during halftime. I'm going to tell you something. Stop playing. Stop playing. I believe that God would have rather for that pastor to cancel evening service than to bring a football game into the house of God and call it a service. You're not worshiping God watching a football game. I'm not saying that it's sinful to watch the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that Jesus said, my father's house shall be a house of prayer, and you have made it a den of thieves. If you want to watch the Super Bowl, then watch the Super Bowl. But don't bring that into the house of God where God is to be worshipped. Don't bring that in the house of God. Don't play with yourself like that. That has no place in the house of God. I'm told that another uh, uh, person, uh, uh, she was in the uh, American Idol, and her grandmother was a pastor. Instead of canceling service that Wednesday night, they bought a TV into the sanctuary, and they watched her granddaughter win American Idol on TV in the house of God. That lady, that pastor should have just canceled Wednesday night service. She should have just canceled Wednesday night service. We can't bring this stuff in the house of God and offer it up to God. We must remember that both Cain and Abel God a sacrifice. One was accepted. Abel's was accepted. Cain's was not. You can't just give God any old thing. You got to give God what he asked for. God is asking us to get on our knees. He's asking us to humble ourselves. He's asking us to pray and seek his faith and not his hands. He said, confess your sins. Cry out to God. He's our very present help in the time of trouble. But we cannot bring entertainment in the house of God and offer it up to him. He cannot do these things. God wouldn't be, he's not pleased. This Israelite tried to bring this Midianite woman into the camp, into the solemn assembly, right in the middle of the meeting. He brought this woman in, went into his camp, and they were getting it on. Anger of the Lord was kindled against them. 24,000 people died because they did not respect God. They thought they could go and eat food that had been sacrificed to idols. 
They thought they could bow down to these idols, and they thought that they could fornicate, join themselves to these women who were worshiping a false god. They were worshiping Belfiore. We are the body of Christ, the called-out assembly of God. We cannot do, matter of fact, we should not want to do what the world is doing. We, we should not want to. If you want to have a Super Bowl party, have one, but have it at your house. Don't try to bring it in God's house. You want to watch American Idol? Watch it, but watch it at your house. Don't bring that in God's house. It has no place. The house of God is where we come to worship him and to praise him and to pray and seek his faith. We cannot bring the world in God's house. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. No, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I didn't finish that. It says, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. God says, separate yourself. Come out from among them. When you see them doing these types of things, come out from among them. Glory be to God. Come out from among them. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. See, people are deceiving themselves. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 4, he said, take heed that no man deceive you. But the people are deceiving themselves now. He said, be not deceived. No fornicator, no idolater, no adulterer, no homosexual, no abusers of themselves with mankind, no thief, no covetous, no drunkard, but that means drug addict too, no reviler, no extortioner shall inherit the kingdom of God. I didn't write this. And, and, and I want to say something about the preachers. You preachers, you preachers better take heed tonight. But those of you, I'm going to tell you something. If you're trying to preach unsaved people into heaven, you better check yourself. If you're trying to make the family feel comfortable and you don't even know that individual, 
You don't know what lifestyle he lived. You don't know any testimony of him giving his heart to Jesus Christ, him repenting of his sins, him being born again. You better not preach on the dead. You better preach on the living. Preach to the living. Call them to the altar. Give them the opportunity to be saved. Stop telling people that they're in a that, that their dead loved one is in a better place. Stop telling them that. Stop telling drug dealers that their uh, 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 that their loved one is in a better place. Stop telling stop telling homosexuals uh, that passed away that he's in a better place. Stop telling those lies. Stop telling people these lies. This is why they don't want to be saved. They think they already are right. Oh, all I got to do is die, and I'm in heaven now. Walk in the stairway to heaven. You better be careful. You better be careful. Those people's blood going to be on your hands. You better tell people the truth. Because only the truth will set them free. Let's look at Colossians, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, cleanness, inordinate affection. Let me tell you all what that means. That means wrong desires. You got wrong desires. A man is supposed to desire a woman. A woman is supposed to desire a man. Men ain't got no business desiring other men or desiring children. Women ain't got no business desiring other women or desiring children. That's called inordinate affection. That means it's out of order. Evil concupiscence covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things say the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. This is what the word of God says. This is not my word. This is the word of God. Glory be to God. This is God's word, God's holy word, and it changes not. See, because you got that bunch that says, oh, times have changed. Y'all need to get off that. Y'all need to move on. Y'all need to uh, let that alone. God said in his word, I am God, and I change not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The Bible speaks of a man that reached out to try to catch the Ark of the Covenant from falling off the cart. Uzzah, he was sinful. He had sin in his life. He was made of sinful flesh, even if he never sinned. He was born in sin and shaping in iniquity after the curse of Adam. He tried to reach out and catch the Ark of the Covenant 
it was it was about to topple over. He tried to catch it from falling and fell dead instantly. Why? He wasn't authorized to touch it. Glory be to God. Achan, Achan sinned against God and 250 people died as a result. His whole family got wiped out. Good God Almighty. God is nothing to play with. Achan sinned. One man sinned. You say, well, we under grace now. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. You see, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then it goes on to say, but the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. You're going to get your pay for sin. Yeah, you're going to get your pay. Payday is coming sooner than we think. So if you are born again, if you are saved, if you are a child of God, you are to be living holy. You are to be trembling. Even now, you are to be trembling. Because the God that we serve, he is holy. He is holy. He's not like these little false gods running around here. He, he, he's not like them. If y'all remember the contest up on Mount Carmel, Elijah the prophet gathered the false prophets of Baal and the children of Israel together. And he said, how long will you halt between two opinions? He said, if God be God, then serve him. He said, if Baal is God, then serve him. He said, but the God that rained down fire from heaven, let him be God. And if you notice, God, Elijah, he let the false prophets go first. And they hooped and hollered. They even cut themselves. They, they did all kind of crazy stuff. And Elijah started mocking and said, cry louder. Maybe he's on a journey. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's busy. Or maybe he had to take care of some business. And they carried on and carried on until it was time for the evening sacrifice. Glory be to God. And then Elijah said, now it's God's time. And Elijah prayed. He said, God, I have done all of this that the people might see that you are God. And God rained down fire from heaven. And the people saw who the true and living God is. Now, if you're serving the true and living God, I had a young man tell me, I said, uh, I was witnessing to him, me and my husband said, um, do you believe in God? Now, he was walking. Obviously, he had had a stroke because he had a limp and his arm was bent back funny. He couldn't straighten his arm out. And I said, uh, uh, do you believe in God? You know, he told us, I believe in me. And it took everything in me not to say, well, since you believe in you, then straighten out your arm. 
Why did he say that? You know, I felt sorry for him because I realized that he did not know God. And this is this is how this is how uh, uh, our society is. Rather than acknowledge God today, they they come up with all sorts of stuff. But if you are born again and you are serving the true and living God, then you sh- should not be involved in sin. You should not be involved in sexual immorality. You should not. Because this displeases God. And God, he can keep your flesh. He can keep your flesh. If he can keep your soul, if he can save your soul, he can save your flesh. But you got to want it. You got to want it. You can't make provisions for the flesh. You can't be slipping and dipping and sliding and hiding. And out of hotels and motels. Going in the back door of somebody's house. You can't be doing that. Why? Because God is omniscient. He's all-knowing and all-seeing. And he said the day and the night is the same with him. Still talking about sin and sickness. Look at the sickness around you. Just look at the sickness in your family. Look at all the sickness. And then look at all the sickness. That that alone ought to make you fall on your knees and say, Lord, help us. Lord, help my family. And sexual sin, it is rapidly increasing. There's homosexuality. Now they got uh, 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 the sex slave trade. Children are being sold. There's all this human trafficking. We need to repent and renounce these things. Just go back through your own family. Don't try to deal with somebody else's sin. Just go back through your own family, sins of your father. Find out what sins your mother committed. Find out what your grandparents did. Find out about them and repent for those things and renounce them and ask God to forgive you. Ask God. Ha! Ask him. And the curse will be broken. I had to repent when I heard uh, Apostle teach on the curse of the bastard. I literally fell on the floor weeping while he was teaching because I had never heard this teaching before. And I repented of my sins and the sins of my mother. And I prayed and I asked God, don't let that curse be handed down to my children. And I can honestly say that my children have not had children out of wedlock. I saw how serious that was. It's a curse. It's a plague. 24,000 people died. One man stopped the plague. Glory be to God. Let's move on. Let's look at Ephesians. Ephesians 5 and 3. Thank you, Lord. 
It says, but fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint. This should not be a characteristic of a Christian. Let's go to Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Two, chapter two, and verse twenty-two. Flee all useful, youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee useful lust. This is what the Lord says. Run from it. Glory be to God. Galatians 5 and 19. Hallelujah. I pray that these scriptures are blessing you tonight. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There it is. There it is. There it is. This is the word of the Lord. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. Thank you, Lord. I pray that this is blessing somebody. I pray that somebody's getting set free. First Corinthians 10 and verse 13. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from it. Thank you, Lord. Flee from idolatry. Second Corinthians 12. Thank you, Lord. 12 and 21. Thank you, Lord. Unless when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already, 
and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. You see, that's what's going on today. People singing in the choir and have not repented fornication. People serving on the usher board and have not repented of fornication. For one reason, they make no more altar calls. People working in the church and have people preaching and have not repented of the sin of fornication. Now, Many churches are not even having altar calls anymore. But don't let that stop you. Make an altar in your house. Get on your face before the Lord and repent and renounce sexual sin. Tell the devil no. Tell him I will not. Because he's only using you. Satan is only using you. And when he gets through with you, he will destroy you. The word of the Lord tells us that the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And once he's destroy once he destroys you, you know what he's gonna say? Next he'll be looking for his next victim. He goes to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. But you have to say, it won't be me. It won't be me. It won't be me. Let me tell you, fornication, and I should have said this earlier, but I didn't. To fornicate is to engage in premarital sex or extramarital sex before or outside of marriage. It's a sin in God's sight. I listened to um, this doctor. Uh, he, he's actually a man of God, uh, J.C. J. Sproul. I listened to him the way, listened to one of his teachings, and he said that every time a couple has come to him, he said, without fail, when they have come to him for counseling, marriage counseling, and they were at the point of divorce, they said, we want to get a divorce, but we're coming to you. I guess this was a last-ditch effort. And they went to him. He said he asked them one question, and the answer was always the same, them did they engage in sex before marriage? Every Christian couple that came to him who wanted a divorce, he asked them one question. Did they engage in premarital sex? Sex before marriage. He says, without fail, the answer was yes. So the connection is, Premarital sex is the leading cause for divorce. That's why the divorce rate is equal. The divorce rate in the church is equal to the divorce rate of sinners. 
because both are engaging in premarital sex. He said, without fail, every time he asked the question, the answer was yes. They had sex before marriage, and the marriage ended in divorce. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That helped me. That helped me in a mighty way. That was a pivotal moment in my life when I heard that teaching. Glory be to God. Because I was like the rest of the people. I thought that's what couples did. When they were about to get married or when they were engaged, I thought that's what they were supposed to do. Until I met Jesus. And then I realized that's not the way. That's not the way. That's not God's way. That is not God's way. And this is why there's so much sickness. It is because there's so much sin. There's so much sickness in the body of Christ because there's so much sin. Let's go to Acts 10. In verse 20, this is the last scripture I'm going to give to you for tonight. But we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul speaking here. And he's telling the church to abstain from fornication. I know I said that was the last scripture, but I'm going to give you one more. And it comes from Revelation chapter 2. And this is what he said, down in verse 14. Verse 14. Well, I'm going to start at verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write these things, saith he, which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith. Even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee because thou hast them there that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. You see, this was the same Balak who was in the book of Numbers. And he literally, literally used these Midianite women to cast a stumbling block on the children of Israel. He taught them to eat things sacrificed unto idols 
and to commit fornication. This was the doctrine of Balaam. And he taught this to the children of Israel. And they participated. And 24,000 of them died in one day. Now, if we want to see God heal his people of sickness, we're going to have to do what the Bible says. We're going to have to do what the Scripture says. People are talking about revival. Everybody's wanting to see revival. But revival starts with prayer. Starts with the prayer of repentance. It starts on our knees. And we're going to have to follow the recipe that God has given us. He says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. We're going to have to do this God's way because his way is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There's no other way, there's no other name whereby we must be saved but in the name of Jesus. And if you and your family sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you will repent to God for the sins of your family. You will repent to God for your individual sins, the sins of your family, and then go one step beyond that. Repent for the sins of your church and repent for the sins of this nation. And when that happens, then God will hear from heaven and he will forgive our sins and he will heal our land. May God bless you tonight. This is Evangelist Janet Taylor coming to you live from Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry International, P.O. Box 1148, Walkertown, North Carolina, 27105. You can send a donation through PayPal at 336-830-0601 or Zelle using the email address J-E-T-245 at msn.com. We accept PayPal or Zelle donations. J-E-T-245 at msn.com. May God bless you and keep the faith in you on next week. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.